So we're going into body 26. If you remember last week, we just focused on the word gun, which is the beginning of that verse, amul gun. And we talked about avgun and what you may call negative parts of our own personality. Although it's very important that we don't categorize things as negative and positive. But Guru says that there are certain parts of our personality which are stealing something away from us. They're not beneficial for us. And we talked about the five thieves, the Kaam, Krod, Lob, Mohankar. And we also mentioned five virtues and how you can convert your desires into Sat, which is giving, Krod, your anger, into contentment, Santok, Lob, which is your greed. You can convert that into Daya which is compassion, empathy, your attachment and your way of surrounding your life with things that you're holding on to, to taram, which is a very detached way of living, and your self-identity, your false self-identity, your hankar, you can transform that into your true identity, which is such. So we talked about these amulgun. So looking at this verse now, the first word is amul. The word mul means to value something, the value that you give to something, to put a price on something. Amul means no value or beyond value, invaluable. So let's just take a moment to think about how do we place value on something. If you think about when you go to a shop, and you're trying to buy a toaster, for example, how do you decide whether something is the right value? How does the shopkeeper decide what price to label that particular product? Most things that you value are based on comparing it to similar and other products. The shopkeeper does the same thing and the person buying does the same thing. You think about a product and you look at the price and you say, well, what else can I get for this price? You look at something and if it's got more features for the same price, you'll say, actually, that's, that's a better value. So that's one way that we value things by comparing them with similar products, by comparing them with similar, similar things. Another way that we value things is based on supply and demand. So imagine a shopkeeper has hundreds of toasters that nobody wants. What does he do to the price? He has to keep lowering the price. So the supply is very high, but the demand is very low. So that sets the value of a product. Now, the opposite is also true. If there is very high demand, but very low stock, very low supply, then what does he do? He increases the, the value of that product. And even the consumer feels that that actually product is worth a lot more. So the question here is, how do you value something where there's only one of it, but everybody wants it? What value do you give to something like that? 
and now imagine the one person who's actually received that one product. So imagine there's only one item. Everybody wants it. Everybody. But one person receives it. And that person who receives it has transformed their whole life by owning this thing. It's changed their entire life for the better. Now, how much more value does that product have? Having seen what it's done to someone, how it's improved someone's life. What value do you give to that person who has now been transformed by that item? So, what do we say about something where there is so much demand for it, but it feels so rare and so difficult to obtain? This is where Guruji is starting to use this idea of something being invaluable. You can't put a value on something that everybody's looking for, but it's so hard to achieve. So Guruji uses this word, amul, priceless. So Guru starts by saying, the qualities are priceless. Amul guna. Guna here means qualities. Amul guna, amul vapar, amul vaparye, amul pandar. So the words guna means qualities, vapar means dealings or trading. So Guruji is starting to use an analogy like we've just used of trading, of buying and selling like we've done with the shop and the customer. So amul guna, invaluable qualities, amul vapar, invaluable tradings and dealings. Amul vapariye, the traders, the one who are trading in this product are invaluable. Amul Pandar and the commodities that they're trading in are invaluable. Amul Gun, Amul Vapar, invaluable qualities, invaluable trade. So what are we talking about here? Remember when we talked about the qualities of the five virtues that are within you, compassion, truth, permanence, these qualities, when they really begin to blossom in our life, are invaluable. When the impact of Nam has had such a profound change, you've seen a profound change within your life. When Nam becomes so important in your life, then Nam now becomes the thing that is your life. Nam becomes your life. And Guruji has used the analogy of trade. This is now what your trade is. This is now your business. What you trade in is Nam. And all experiences, all interactions, all relationships that you have in your life now get colored in this color of Nam. So where before there was delusion, where before there was individuality, and all of those things clouded your vision, now Nam has made your vision clear. You have a clarity of vision. So Guruji is talking about the benefits that you receive after those four stages of enlightenment that we went through. The listening, sunya, maniya, the accepting, the going within yourself, and the transformation of your true identity. 
So Guruji is saying, what is that experience like? That graceful, blissful awakening that Guru talked about. So let's just imagine what does this experience feel like? No desires, no anger, no attachments, no sorrow coming from those attachments, no pride, no feeling of superiority, no me, no I. So this is the clarity that Nam brings in your life. It makes everything shine. It makes you shine and the whole world that you engage with is shining. And so rare are the people who are in this sense of clarity. And this becomes their gift to the world. They have the gift of Nam and they now shine that Nam throughout the world. So this is what Guruji is talking about. Invaluable are these qualities. Invaluable are the traders who are trading in this way, who are living in this way. And invaluable is the commodity. What they're trading now, what they've received in their life and what they're giving to others, what they're sharing with others is now this Nam. And that is also invaluable. So it's an interesting point to think about why has Guru referred to the saints, the enlightened ones, as traders? What is the significance of that analogy? We need to think about what trade means. Trade means to ex exchange something. I give you something and I get something in return. So it's an exchange between one another. So there are very different ways, many different ways that we can look at this analogy of trade. The first thing that saints have had to do is they've had to trade with the Guru. They've had to give everything of themselves away to the Guru. They've had to surrender everything that they had and they've had to give up every attachment that they had in life. We talk about tan man dhan sab samp gurko. Your body, your mind and all your possessions have to be given away to the Guru. So the saints have had to go through this process of giving all of their attachments up and the exchange with the Guru is that the Guru has given them the wisdom and the clarity of Nam. That's the, the exchange that they've got in return. Now remember how we heard in one of the previous verses how that divine being that they're now engaging with, with how that divine being trades. We heard Vada Data Tilanatamai that the divine continuously gives, and the divine is not asking for anything in return. The divine's not waiting there for you to do anything. It's just when you're ready to surrender, the divine gives you this Nam. So we have to give everything up and not hold back. If we're trading with something so grand that doesn't hold back, then we have to up our game. We also have to trade in that way. We have to trade in a way that doesn't say, I'm willing to give you 99%, but let me hold on to this 1%. You have to give 100%, everything up, in order to obtain what the Divine has to give you. So, Vada Data Tilnatamai, grand is the provider that doesn't hold back in any way with not a seed of desire, tilnatamai. And what is it that the saints receive when they've given everything up? What do they get in return? 
they obtain the divine. They obtain that which they're trading with. They become merged into that divine. So you have to become the divine. That's what you have to know when you're going into this transaction. You have to know what you're giving up, but you also have to know what is being received in return. You are giving up everything of your own identity so that eventually you don't exist anymore. You become merged back within the ocean. We heard a few verses ago this idea of the rivers that merged back into the ocean. Once they merged in, you couldn't distinguish them anymore. So this is this analogy that Guru has just been telling us about now. Guruji is using a different analogy of trading, but all the things that we've learned about how to trade have already been covered. So you become like the divine. There's a beautiful line by the saint, the Bhagat, called Kabir. He says, Harjan aisa chahiye jaisa harhi hoy. I want such a servant of the divine who is like the divine, who becomes the divine. This is the, the qualities of the divine. This is the qualities of the saints. No wonder Guruji is calling these saints Amul, priceless. Their qualities are priceless. Harjan aisa chahiye jaisa harhi hoy. Give me such a saint who is like the divine themselves. So, it's very important to realize when we're walking on this path, we've heard this analogy time and time again, but now we're making it very clear, you have to give everything up. You're not allowed to hold even a shred of anything back for yourself. You have to give up everything, but remember that you obtain much more than what you have. This is not a fair trade. We have nothing to give. Think about what you have to give. Your body, did you make it? You didn't make your body. Your mind, did you make your mind? Your possessions, did you make everything? Did you make your ability to earn everything? So in reality, what you're giving up was nothing that you created in the first place. It wasn't yours to begin with. We say in the Aarti, Tera kia, tujhe kya arpo. Everything that I have to give was created by you in the first place. So how can I give you something that is yours already? So this is how we're giving things up. You're realizing that nothing is yours. That's how you give it up. So what we're trading in is not a fair trade. We have nothing of significance to give. In fact, we have nothing to give. But what we get in return is the whole universe, the entire divine. The divine gives you its entire self. And what do you have to give in return? Hardly anything. In fact, you have nothing that was yours to begin with in the first place. So it's like amongst ourselves, it's like we're trading in sand. But when you go to the divine, you have a little bit of sand and the divine's giving you a diamond. What, look at the difference. But until you know that there's a diamond waiting for you, you're just happy dealing in sand. And what we do with each other is we're just trading in our, in our dirt, in our mud. We don't really have anything of significance, but there's these diamonds waiting for us. 
ਮਤ ਵਿੱਚ ਰਤਨ ਜਵਾਹਰ ਮਾਨਕ ਜੇ ਇੱਕ ਗੁਰਕੀ ਸਿੱਖ ਸੁਣੀ ਇਫ ਜਸਟ ਫॉर ਅ ਮੋਮੈਂਟ ਯੂ ਲਿਸਨ ਟੂ ਵਾਟ ਦ ਗੁਰੂ ਹੈਡ ਟੂ ਸੇ ਯੋਰ ਮਾਈਂਡ ਵਿਲ ਬੀ ਟਰਾਂਸਫਾਰਮਡ ਯੋਰ ਥਿੰਕਿੰਗ ਵਿਲ ਬੀ ਟਰਾਂਸਫਾਰਮਡ ਯੋਰ ਮੈਮੋਰੀਜ਼ ਯੋਰ ਡਿਜ਼ਾਇਰਸ ਐਵਰੀਥਿੰਗ ਵਿਲ ਜਸਟ ਬੀ ਟਰਾਂਸਫਾਰਮਡ ਇਨਟੂ ਥੀਸ ਰਤਨ ਜਵਾਹਰ ਮਾਨਕ ਥੀਸ ਰੂਬੀਜ਼ ਐਂਡ ਡਾਇਮੰਡਸ ਐਂਡ ਐਮਰਲਡਸ ਐਂਡ ਪਰਲਸ ਸੋ ਆਲ ਆਫ ਥਿਸ ਇਜ਼ ਵੇਟਿੰਗ ਫॉर ਅਸ ਸੋ ਆਰ ਵੀ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਕੰਟੀਨਿਊ ਟੂ ਟ੍ਰੇਡ ਇਨ ਸੈਂਡ ਐਂਡ ਐਵਰੀਵਨ ਥਿੰਕਸ ਥਿਸ ਸੈਂਡ ਇਜ਼ ਰੀਲੀ ਪ੍ਰੈਸ਼ੀਅਸ like the sand that we own is so important because we don't have a way of valuing it against each, each other in fact everyone else is trading in sand so you say well that i've got a bit of sand and you've got a bit of sand so it must be quite valuable we're not comparing like for like when we look at naam and simran and and bhakti and meditation we're not comparing like for like this is nothing that we can do in the world that can compare to these diamonds that are waiting for us on the other side and in reality the sand that we have and when i talk about our sand i'm talking about this body this mind this thoughts our attachments everything that we hold on to in life the sand that we have in reality hasn't actually brought us a lot of happiness it's not this material world that has brought us contentment in life if anything running after more sand has caused us more dukh more suffering more pain that's what we've been spending our whole lives doing in fact we raise our children up in this way we say get a nice big house get a job get a this get a that we don't tell them that this stuff is rubbish it doesn't actually get you anywhere it doesn't actually make you any happier but because we don't we don't know that because we haven't gone into the diamond <coughs> shop we haven't seen what's there we just go from one shop to another and everything just is sand so we just think this is the most valuable thing in the world so we're all stuck in this mindset nobody talks about letting go of this sand nobody actually tells you look all of your possessions just don't worry about them they have no meaning because we're all stuck in this mindset together we're all trading in the sand together we are these traders and guruji is talking about a different type of trader the ones who are trading in something far more valuable in fact it's invaluable But you know what most people get scared when we start talking about giving your body your mind your wealth your possessions giving your family your attachments giving it all up So it's very important to notice that what we're talking about isn't about giving things away You don't have to give anything away you just have to give up your attachments to them You can still be with your families you still live in your house you still own all your possessions but you don't have a sense of ownership over them they're yours but they're temporary they're borrowed everything is temporary so what you're doing is not giving away we're not talking about a path of renunciation we're not talking about literally walking away from the material world and just becoming some meditator sitting in a mountain somewhere Guru Nanak rejected that way. He said that isn't valuable to the common man. So Guruji isn't asking you to give anything away, but you have to give everything up and there's a difference. So all you're abandoning really is your sense of ownership over these things, your attachment to these things. You no longer think that you are the keeper 
the owner of these objects. That includes your body, that includes your mind, that includes all of your thoughts, your opinions, your deep personal memories. You just give them up. You don't hold on to them. You are no longer the keeper of these things. You're no longer the protector of these things. You have to be willing to just surrender. And when you've traded all these things in, what you receive is liberation, freedom. Guruji talks about mukti. Mukti means freedom. What are you free from? You're now free from the sand. The sand is there, but you're free from it. You no longer see them as diamonds and jewels and rubies. You can see them for what they are. This is liberation. You are now free. You now have a sense of delight in engaging with these things, but knowing that they're temporary. When Guruji in the previous verse talked about band kalasi, it is this freedom from bondage. Band means to be tied down. Kalasi means to be set free. Band kalasi. This is what Guruji is talking about. You are now free from all of these things. You now move from trading this useless commodity into trading a far more priceless commodity. Amol Gona. So this is what we're trading in. Amol Vapar is the trade, priceless. Amol Vaparyet. The traders are priceless. And these commodities, these transactions, their dealings, Amol Pandar is priceless. Amul Ave Amul Le Jahe Amul Pae Amul La Samai So invaluable are the people who just come into the shop and even look at these diamonds. The ones who even know about this Naam are invaluable. The ones who have heard of Naam the ones who've even known that there's another way of living, the fact that you have this seed planted within you means that you are far more precious. Your life is now far more valuable than the poor people who've never heard of this. That's real poverty and real richness. The ones who've known the experience the very mention of Naam, that is priceless. Amul Aver, the ones who've entered into this shop, Guruji says, just the customers walking into this shop are priceless. And then Guruji says, Amul Lejahe, the ones who take this away, the ones who go and buy this product, they are priceless. So the ones walking into this store are priceless. The ones who've taken it away are priceless. Amul pae amulasamai. So invaluable is love. So now we're talking about what we're trading. We're trading in this love. And amulasamai. These people who have come in, known Naam, taken Naam away, invaluable is their love. And invaluable is their merging. Amulasamai. They are merged, submerged into this commodity. Every analogy has its weakness. We talk about a product, we talk about people taking it away, but every analogy has a limitation. 
So Guruji is trying to clarify this analogy. You're not coming home with anything. You're not now trading one attachment for another attachment. Because you can say, look at me, I've given up all of this, but now I'm attached to this. So Guru says, this is not an attachment. This is emerging. You are submerged lovingly. Amul pai, amulla samai. You're merged into this commodity. You lose yourself into this commodity of naam. You don't take this naam away and now attach yourself. You don't create an ego. You don't create a self-identity around this. You don't go from being a worldly trader to a spiritual trader and saying, look at me now. I'm now a spiritual person. Guruji is clarifying the analogy. You are submerged into this priceless thing. So those who have come into contact with Nam, just think about if we look at the simple understanding of reincarnation, we would say that it has taken you countless lives to be born into a life, into a family, into a situation where you've heard about Nam. Seven billion people on this planet. How few, how rare are the ones that have known about Nam, that have gone into the shop, that have taken it away, that have merged into that Nam? How priceless is that? And to have even come across a trader of Nam, even to know somebody else who trades in Nam, who talks about Nam, who shares Nam, who can show you Nam, who has Nam within them. How priceless is that experience? And if you take Nam into you, if you merge into that Nam, if you let that Nam transform you, then it makes you priceless, invaluable. Who knows how many lifetimes it's taken for you to know this Nam? And now that you know about it, what are you going to do? Are you going to take this opportunity or are you going to waste it? Amul pai, amul samai. Invaluable is their love. Invaluable is their merging. So you now have to absorb yourself, dissolve yourself into Nam, bring Nam as the only thing that's in you. Amul taram, amul dibaan, amul tul, amul parvaan. So before we go into the meaning of that, Let's just have a look at the two different spellings that we're now seeing. The first line has the top spelling of Amul, which we would say is Mukta. It doesn't have this Ankur underneath, this last vowel. So the top line has all of them, the words Amul, without this, and the bottom line has it with it. So what do we know about the Ankur at the end of a word, it makes something singular. The word Amul is not a noun. It's not a thing. It's a description of a thing. I think we call that an adjective in English. Visheshan. It means that it's a describing word. So if you take a word like a house, that would be a noun, house. When you start adding more characteristics to the house to explain to, your, to somebody what is your house like, you will say it's a tall house, it's a big house, 
It's a wide house. Those words are descriptive words, they're called adjectives. Now, when in Gurmukhi grammar you have an adjective, so we're saying something is priceless. So we're not, we're not sure what that thing is, we're just saying priceless. It doesn't, it's, not a, it's not a product. Priceless has to be something, something has to be priceless. Now, when the thing that you're describing is plural, then the adjective is also written in a plural way. So if we were to say big houses, the word big, if we were spelling it in Gurmukhi, would not have an onkar because houses is plural and you spell plural words without an onkar. So the descriptive words are also mukta words without an onkar. So in the first line, amul gun, gun is plural, values, virtues, amul vapar, Plural, you'll notice all of those words don't have an onkar. Amul vaparye, amul pandar, all of those are plural words, so the amul attaching to all of them is also plural. In the next line, the words taram, diban, tul, and parvan all have an onkar, which means the words that we're describing are singular words, so the describing word also becomes singular. Is also, so it makes it very clear which word you're describing. So, amul taram. So, the top one is an adjective for plural words. The bottom one is an adjective for singular words. Amul taram, amul dibarn, amul tul, amul parvan. So, taram here means law. Guru's now going into a different analogy. The first analogy was of shopkeepers and traders. The second analogy now is of law of a court, Dibarn. Tul and Parvan is a weighing scale. Have you seen this idea where law and justice is demonstrated by a weighing scale? And it implies that the law has to be impartial. It has to be balanced. It has to consider all sides. So Guruji is using this analogy. That analogy has been around for a very long time and has been used in different cultures. So the word tul means the scale, the balance. And parvan is the counterweight. Parvan is your counterweight. So even if you go to some market stalls in India today, you might still see people who are selling vegetables and they'll have these scales. So if you want to order a kilo of something, They'll put the vegetables on one side, then they'll pick up their weights, and when they have a kilo, then you know that you've bought a kilo or something. And it's similar to the weighing scales that you see in supermarkets, and you may have at home as well. So, amol, tul, and parvan. Tul is your weighing scale, parvan is the counterweight. So, invaluable is law, invaluable is that justice, invaluable is the diban, the court and the scale and the counterweight. So Guruji is now introducing an analogy of a divine system, a justice system, a system that has been around for a long time. And Guruji says that this very system, what we call taram, the very natural spiritual law, we described towards the beginning of Japji Sahib, this idea of taram being this natural law like almost 
the laws of gravity and the various laws of physics that we can measure, there is also a law of the spiritual realm which is called taram, which is your, your role in life, what you're here to do, the whole system of afterlife and all of those kind of concepts fit under this idea called taram. So Guruji says this very system is perfect, it's invaluable. And the court where this system is being created, this divine court, you know, in Gurbani we hear this idea of darbar quite a lot. And that's also being said as being invaluable. And where the Guru is sitting, where this system is being decided, and the saints are also sitting there, the enlightened ones are also sitting there, their congregation is invaluable. And the very way in which we've created a system, or rather the way in which we've entered into this system of the Guru, is so perfect, it's so refined, it's as though all the weights, everything has been considered and you have now this perfectly balanced system that the Guru is talking about is invaluable. So Guru is now refining a system for us. So this, he says, is now refined. This is a perfect system. Come into this Guru system and you will see that it's perfect. So the individual doesn't have to do the hard work. The hard work's been done. And we can see that if we look at the system, what you're trading is so simple, what you're getting is so much. So the Guru has really made it in our favor. So Guru is saying that the system that has been well refined, well balanced, well thought out, is a system that refines you as well. This is a process of refining your guna. We talked about converting all of your negative aspects in life the destructive aspects of your character and we can find a way through the Guru's help through Naam to actually convert those. So it's a process of refinement of yourself, shedding your ego and getting a true identity. So this is the Taram, this is the perfect system that is invaluable. Amul Baksis, Amul Nisan, Amul Karam, Amul Furman. So, invaluable is the mercy, invaluable is the nishani, the insignia, the nisar. Amol karam, invaluable is the grace, amol furman, and furman means a royal command, furman. So, this command is invaluable. So, Guruji is sticking with this analogy of this court, and imagine a just and fair ruler or a judge and it says that this judge is very graceful karam is very bakshish bakshanhar is very graceful merciful forgiving and this is his symbol this is his way this is how you know that you're in the right court when you see a divine system which is so easy to follow which is so simple and fair and equal for everyone. What Guruji is teaching is equal to everyone. Everyone has access to this Naam. Everyone has the capability of transforming their life. It is not a system that is focused on punishment. This is not a law that seeks to punish you. It seeks to give you grace. It seeks to help you. If we think about law in, in most countries, 
judges and the justice system is one essentially based on punishment. In fact, you almost have to prove your innocence. Otherwise, if you can't do a good enough job, then you know the repercussions of what is being accused of you. It's very accusation-based. Guru says this is not what we're talking about. We don't need to think about this big scary ruler. We have to know it as a loving ruler that we have to surrender and give ourselves to. And what we get is a lot of grace and blessings. Guruji talked right in the beginning about Gur Isar, Gur Gorak, Barma, Gur Parbati Mai, a loving mother. The Guru is very loving and nurturing, mothering Parbati Mai. So invaluable, look how invaluable this system is that the Guru has given us and given the whole of humanity. It's a loving system. It's a system based on love. It's a system based on kindness and compassion. And this is its command. The way it speaks is in a loving, priceless, precious way. So what Guruji has been describing in the last few, few lines is this quality, these guna within us and the guna within the saints, the enlightened ones. So Guru's talking about a lot of different analogies and using a lot of different ways that we can try and understand it. But when we sift through the analogy, what we actually understand that Guru is actually talking about how do we live? It's nice to talk about these analogies about the royal court and the trading and all those sort of things. But remember what Guruji starts with. Guruji starts with grace. Talks a whole chapter, a whole verse on grace. Guru talks about enlightenment. Guru talks about ultimately the virtues, the values that you live by, the method way. And the way that you live is what is ultimately being talked about here. We can call these our morals, our standards, our principles, the things that we choose to live by, our virtues. And Guru is saying that there is a type of person, these enlightened saints, where their virtues just shine out of them. They selflessly trade in this way of living, in this Nam way of living. They trade in love. They merge into all. They see oneness in all. They are just. They are fair. They are righteous. They are merciful. These are the qualities that Guru is saying, when you come across someone like that, hold on to that person. Learn from that person. Trade with that person who has these qualities. But what's really interesting is when the Guru is talking about such qualities, Guru automatically gets us to start thinking about our lives and where we fit in that whole system. When you talk about such beautiful, priceless qualities, you can't help but think about, okay, they sound great, but where am I? Where do I fit into this whole thing? Do we have these qualities? Can we recognize these qualities in ourselves? Or are we trading and are we radiating some different qualities? Are we equal to all or do we choose to discriminate between people? Do we choose to like certain people and dislike certain people? What are we radiating? What are we trading in? Do we see love in everyone? Do we lovingly merge into the qualities of light 
with everyone. So what is your trade? This is the fundamental question here. What do we trade in? Does our trade involve judgment? Does it involve insults? Does it involve looking down on someone? Does it involve praising someone? So what Guruji is pointing to, what Guru is alluding to is what are your day-to-day interactions like? The people that you deal with, the scenarios that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, whether it's at home in your family life, whether it's at work, whether it's with your friends, how do you trade with them? How do you deal with them? We need to see every transaction as a transaction with the Divine. Every interaction is an interaction with God. Every spoken word with every person is a conversation with God. And every thought you have is an exchange with the universe. Think about this. Every thought that you have leaves an imprint somewhere in the universe. In something or someone, what you think has an impact. So let's go into that a little bit more. Your very thoughts that you think are inside your head and very personal to you, that you can insult whoever you want in your head, but on the outside you can be very fake and friendly. And this is how we live, this is how we trade. That we think we can say what we want in the privacy of our own minds, but when we meet someone, we put a big on, big fake smile. So how are we dealing with these people? Your thoughts determine your actions. How you think determines how you act. So if you truly love someone, how you're going to act with them is going to feel like a genuine love. If you're pretending to like someone, the way that you act is going to be noticeable, is going to be visible. It's going to be visibly different to acting out in true love that you have for someone. No matter how much you think you can pretend, the way you think affects the way you act. And the way you act shapes your entire destiny. It shapes your life. Every interaction that you have with someone, the other person on the other end knows through your actions what your mindset is, what your thoughts are. So if you're acting out of true love, they will know. If you're acting out of a false love, they'll know. If you're acting out of hatred, they will know. That then changes how they act with you because the way that you act with them triggers a thought in their head, either one of retaliation in a loving way or do you interact in a hurtful, hateful way. So you see that the way you think 
shapes your world around you. So this is something now that we have to become aware of. Every thought counts. Every single thought that you have in your head, whether or not you think you're displaying it to the world, it determines how you act and how you act will shape how people around you act. Your entire destiny is going to be unfolded based on what you think is quite private in your head. Thoughts literally shape your destiny. So we have to understand where do our thoughts come from? Our thoughts come from something deeper. They come from our intentions. Your intention leads to your thought. Your thought leads to your words. Your words lead to your actions. So your thoughts don't just pop into your head out of nowhere. They come from something much deep-rooted within you, which is your very intention in life. So the question is, what is your intention in life? What is your deepest, most personal intention in life? And I'm not talking about what is it that you want to get out of life. There's something much deeper than that. What is your intention? Is your intention self-preservation? Or is your intention divine preservation? That's the fundamental deciding factor. Is your deep, most rooted intention one to look after yourself more than anything else? Because if that's your deep rooted intention, that will determine your thoughts. Because then you will say, in order to look after myself, I need to have some friends, so I'm going to go make some friends. And those people over there, they are harming my intention to look after myself. They say mean things to me. They physically can abuse me or hurt me in some way. So your very way that you deal with different people is based on your deep-rooted intention that I ultimately want to look after myself. Your most deep-rooted intention, if it is to look after yourself, you know we say look after number one, look after you. If that's your deep, most rooted intention, then that will shape your thoughts, that will shape your words, that will shape your interactions and your actions. That ultimately becomes the way you trade with the world. Your dealings with the world, your interactions with the world aren't superficial. We can't just say be nice to everyone. We can't just say turn your anger into contentment. We can't just easily say, change your lust and your desires into charity. If you do that on a superficial level, you haven't actually dealt with something that's very deep-rooted at your core. So what is your most deepest desire, your most deepest intention? If it is preservation of you, then that is going to be your trade in the world. If your most deep-rooted desire and intention is the preservation of the divine, regardless of you, that is the starting point of trading in Nam. That the divine that has created you is more important than you. The creator becomes more important than that which has been created. 
What has been created is always changing. You aren't going to be here forever. So why are you going to spend all of your time trying to preserve something that you know is going to end? Your house is not going to be here forever. Your money is not going to be here forever. Your friends, your families, your children, none of them are going to stay. And yet we create an entire system where we just want to hold on to them, always thinking that this is the most important thing. Remember, you're trading in sand. This stuff is just going to fall through your fingers and disappear. So your most deep-rooted intention is your trade, is that thing which you're trading in. And you thought it was going to be easy. Guruji goes to the mool. Guru always goes to the very root of who you are and says, let's just focus on that. Let's deal with that because you're not going to be able to change how you trade in the world. You might be able to pretend. You might be able to change the way you look and the things that you do so that the rest of the world think that you've become spiritual. But if at the very core you haven't given up that idea that I need to preserve myself over everything else, then all of your interactions are fake. So are you dealing with your intention of self-preservation or can you deal in divine? Where the divine is dealing with the divine. Where oneness is trading with oneness. And this you will only be able to answer when you know the very core of what you are. When you see the very core of your own ego and say, I understand this notion of I, I understand what it is. And it's yours. It's no longer important. The ego was given to you. The body was given to you. The mind was given to you. The world was given, but none of those things are going to exist. And we spend all of our life We spend all of our life just receiving the gifts continually, but we forget the giver. Dat piari visriya datar. You love the gifts, but you forget the giver. When your deep-rooted intention is to no longer value your individuality, your ego, your self-preservation, your identity, that's when you're beginning to trade that away. That's when Guru says, Tan man dan sab Give your mind, body, possessions, everything to the Guru. Give it up. And the Guru will give you far more in return. This is the priceless trade. These are the priceless jewels that we have waiting for us. Wai Guruji ka Khalsa, Wai Guruji ki Fateh.